Hey, this is Daniel Montero, your host today. GW Smoke Break, it's going down. We're at the after party. Uh, today is Tuesday. Uh, we're in San Jose. NCAA just uh, wrapped up. We're at the Continental Bar here in downtown San Jose. I'd like to thank Sean Cali Rye with SVCA for all the work that he's done to put this stellar event together. The camera can't catch it, but it's popping behind us. And I'm here with Kevin Haller. Um, thankful uh, for you being a part of our growth as a, as a company. And uh, Kevin Haller brings a certain level of expertise that really isn't um, uh, accounted for, for lack of a better term, in the industry, and that is you know, being a CPA. And so before we jump into the, the nitty gritty, you know, I definitely want to share a little bit of your story, more particularly, you know, how cannabis first um, intersected your life growing up on a personal level. So first, thank you so much for having me. I'm a firm believer in what you're doing, and I'm just honored to be here uh, with you today. Um, so cannabis, uh, my first time, you know, it's, I don't remember my very first time because it took me a few times before I actually got high, and I was asking, like, you know, what does that feel like? And my brother's like, you'll know. How old um, were you? 14. Um, when I was 14, I took a Greyhound bus from Colorado Springs to Greeley, Colorado to visit my brother at college, and that was my first uh, experience. Um, truly smoking. We started off in his basement, um, a lot of smoking of swag at that time, uh, passing around and uh, went upstairs and continued smoking and it was, uh, you know, the first time. It, it, was, it was intense and it was amazing and it was the first time I experienced something like that and it was amazing and since then um, I had a deep passion for it and I continued. So now looking back in my life, it's like 25 years this plant has been really a part of my journey, shaping who I am as an individual. Um, and, you know, being involved in it on a personal note throughout college, um, where, you know, I was retail before, it was retail and, and cultivation for a little bit before it was cultivation. So I've had experiences with the plant um, on a very intimate level. And can you talk about how she influenced your social um, interaction? Absolutely. In your college years? Yeah, no, so that's what was amazing. I, I got into you know, retail um, to mostly support you know, my, my habit and, and share with my friends. And so, um, and it just started spreading. You're known as the guy when you go around partying. And so, um, I, I had a lot of connections with, with people of all um, you know, uh, ethnicities. Uh, black, Hispanic, but also, you know, gay, lesbian, just people getting together over um, a shared love for cannabis. And so it didn't matter all of our differences, we shared together what we had in common. And there was a lot of amazing times built from people who would otherwise most likely not be connected in certain social circles um, in college. People kind of migrate towards groups and, and groups were crossed with that common ground. And it was, it was wonderful to be part of that and it really shaped me and gave me a lot of uh, wonderful experiences because of it. So you went from using cannabis recreationally, maybe medicinally to a certain extent. You know, Dennis Perrone says that we all use cannabis medicinally. Um, and, and I agree with that. Again, to the extent is up to debate. Uh, you know, it's, people would argue that both ways uh, if you throw that out there. But now you're, in, you're a professional, you're a cannabis professional. You work in the industry. You've taught me so much uh, in prior conversations about things like 280E and how that's a silent death blow. Can you please share with our audience how um, you got into the industry? Yeah, so, um, you know, again, as a professional, it's hard because 
um, especially being a CPA, where there's a lot of integrity, and so even here talking about this is is you know kind of looked upon in a, in a negative way in some light. So I'm trying to you know push the envelope. Um, and really, by dumb luck, we fell into it as being a, a local CPA firm in the Bay Area. Um, you know, we have relationships with, with other clients, and a client happened to open up a, a business, and um, San Jose has a regulation in which there's not a requirement, and so we were able to um, get into it just, just that way. Um, so it was How many years ago was this? This was in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, it was amazing, because right when we, we you know, this was presented like Kevin here's like a new uh, client opportunity. Um, I was I was thrilled because it was something that has been such a big part of my life. I've been happy with how the movement has been progressing, and then now I get to be part of it. And so it really sparked a, like a rebirth in me um, into like what I was doing, and I was very interested in how can I do my part to help this. You know, kind of merging market, but not really. Cannabis has been around forever, but now it's all of a sudden materializing in a whole new way. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's 100% a roller coaster. And these past four years, can you describe from your position as a professional, your observation of the, of, of the development of the industry these past four years? How would you describe that? The progression of the industry? Yeah, I mean, it's, at first everyone saw like the opportunity in dollar signs, so it's a gold rush of its time. So you see everyone running, coming up with crazy you know, schemes and ideas to kind of uh, how they're going to address the industry. Um, and then the reality hits in, um, this is the most compliant regulated industry there is. So what I see is uh, dreams being altered when the reality comes in that you're not just running out, you're not just crushing it because there's a lot of obstacles and, 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 and costs ultimately. So it takes a lot of capital to really successfully run a business or you're burned through your cash. And a lot of these businesses are very much been focused on getting operations up and running. And so financial reporting and the numbers kind of, you know, go to the back burner ultimately because they have to prioritize and there's a race to position yourself. So I understand. And it's more of a capacity issue. But the financial information is extremely important. And compliance in this industry is extremely important. And those who understand that and have been focusing on compliance and navigating compliance properly are the ones that are really positioning themselves for the future. Because right now, the, what's going to happen is, is kind of uncertain, but you would only assume that regulators uh, are going to start looking into this industry uh, and start investigating and looking at stuff. And since there's only things like 280E and technically banking solutions are still very challenging, um, regulators are going to be looking at 280E and not really following the money like a lot of traditional audits because the money is is not uh, paper trail, it's physical paper that you store so it's very hard to follow and trace um, sales through so 280E will be. So just seeing the industry involved, it's like new markets coming on, um, seeing more service providers coming together and kind of joining forces to try to help so um, people are coming together more. Associations like NCIA are wonderful because they spread the word. Um, they push the movement forward. We can not only thank the operators that have carried this industry, but the lobbying and associations that are pushing it forward. Um, so bringing us together and like this event, they just get huger and huger because there's a lot of interest in people that want to understand and explore and help the cannabis industry grow. 
And Kevin, for the audience who isn't familiar with 280E, can you please uh, clarify on what yeah. that is and why that's so dangerous being in our industry? Absolutely. So 280E um, is an IRS regulation code and it's basically because cannabis is a class one illegal substance. Hemp just got removed from that by the DEA, so now um, hemp is no longer subject to 280E. But ultimately, 280E only allows to deduct cost of goods sold, whereas other for tax purposes, whereas other businesses are allowed to deduct, you know, selling general and administrative costs. You are not allowed to in this uh, industry, which is a, a significant challenge because a lot of money needs to go into marketing, you know, retail. Um, sales, um, and then you know, GNA services like accounting that go into building a business. And if you have to add those back to come to your taxable income, and you're a small business trying to, you know, establish yourself in this industry, it's devastating. So really, what it's doing is, is it it requires businesses to need a lot of capital to operate, and investors look to this, and and there's investors who want to invest for the long term, but a lot of investors want to come in in the short term. Mm -hmm. So they're not really interested in being in, in an investment long term, they just want to get in and, and make a return and, and, and get out. And so it takes in the investors coming in to successfully build a business to navigate 280E, but we need the small operators to also have a presence in this because, you know, they built the industry, you know, and we need to pay homage. Plus, as a consumer, you want there to be a variety of people allowed and let the consumers have the choice of what they want. It's beautiful to have, you know, big players, but it's beautiful to have like a lot of craft, small, local products as well. And so talking about giving people what they want, right? Yes. Absolutely. Kevin, absolutely. I'm gonna pop you the question. Do you like music? Oh. Is that, is that, did I, I say it right? Music. I love music. Is that yeah. what you say? I, well, I say it a lot because there's some people um, that will really, uh, you know, naysay cannabis. Or I'm, I'm educating family members that are asking questions and people keep associating it with this terrible drug. And one thing I'll always say when they're like, you know, it should be illegal. I'm like, do you like music? Do you like movies? And they're kind of like, where is this going? And I'm like, most music today has been inspired through individuals exploring with recreational drugs. Cannabis, a big one. Other ones we won't mention because we're not here for other ones, but there's been a lot of um, drugs, recreational, used by individuals, which has shaped um, music industry. American culture, American man. culture. It's so rooted throughout, and people don't always recognize that. How much cannabis has already played in shaping society as, as we know it. And, and so we need to spread the word because then that helps people really understand the plant and then it's not as evil as the perception has been for this long. And those of us who truly know the plant and it's been part of our lives know that. And I love being able to share it in any way that I can to others. So I have to educate family members, even on CBD. It's a big thing. They're like, well, I don't want to get high. And I'm like, it's a totally different thing. You know, it's, it's not the same properties um, that it is of the THC properties. And, you know, I want to share on a personal note that it's yeah. like, you know, I always use cannabis recreationally, um, self-medication for my own purposes. Um, two years ago, I was diagnosed with MS. And, um, and that, it, 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 things changed in my body. Um, some permanently, even to this day, like I have no feeling in, in many parts of my body, including my arm, had to be left-handed. Um, I had chronic pain in my body 
and my back particularly as a result of this. Um, Montel Williams has a product, uh, also a brother with MS, fellow uh, brother that has that autoimmune, and I've been using his product and I want to thank him. It's given me tremendous relief um, in my body as a result of using this. And um, you know, I have my wife Kelly and, and two beautiful children, Dylan and Nora, my daughters, and as you can see with getting hit with that, being the financial provider for a family, my wife suffered from serious anxiety um, with having an autoimmune that I've been is uncertain. And she started using CBD and it's been tremendous. She first was going to doctors, she got some stuff prescribed, she was awesome. immediately feeling reactions to those prescribed drugs that she did not like. Um, and she started a CBD product and got immediate uh, relief. And she can feel when she's coming, that's coming out of her system. So I want to say on a personal note, both the medical side of this and the recreational side of this are very um, amazing. And I'm just so thrilled to do my part to make this industry as credible as it deserves to be and allow it to kind of flourish and thrive the way it really should. It's beneficial for everyone in this country, everyone in the world. You know, I think this is one of the most powerful interviews that I've, we've done to date, uh, GW Smoke Break, because you're what we call the white collar versus the green collar, and you're affirming, you know, everything that our culture is about and the truths of our culture and the historical impact of cannabis culture. It's absolutely beautiful. And I'll keep to myself some of the observations that I made at NCIA yesterday, but what I would like for you to please share with the audience is, you know, what has your experience been these past two days over at NCIA? Um, I think, you know, it, like any new industry, it learns and it grows and it gets better and better. And Kevin, you're part of a committee. I am, I am. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, last year I was on the Cannabis Cultivation Committee. This year I'm on the uh, Risk Management and Insurance Committee. Um, and again, I just, because I, I love what NCIA is doing to spread awareness, I wanted to give, it, give my time to kind of get involved. And it's been wonderful, um, both years my experience doing it, and just to give my expertise to kind of add value to them, to kind of give content to operators to push along. So it was amazing to kind of just go there and be part of it a little bit more on the, the inside of things and then go into the parties and meeting wonderful people that are here supporting this industry. Was there a learning moment these past two days or somebody that impressed you with how sharp they were? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just that everyone you meet, you meet different people that do. I mean, one person that I just love and respect is, is you, Daniel. Oh, I mean, I really do. I'm serious. It's like what you were doing for the true <laughs> culture of this has been awesome. And I, I'm just so stoked that you are now part of NCIA and can kind of push what it is you're doing through the committee. and. and just hanging out with you yesterday at the after party was awesome because it's like what I love about you and which thing I wish I was better at is just you can break ice with anybody and I love that like you can just spark up conversation and that is that takes confidence it's something in you and and you're just a likable guy and so that's something I emulate from you and I, I uh, would love to learn from you and take away I appreciate that very much Absolutely. thank you um, was there a learning moment uh, that you can recall uh, at NCAA, like something that you didn't know, something that might have caught you uh, by surprise that's happening in the industry? In terms of like... Like your committee experience? So, uh, you guys were talking, right? Yeah, yeah, we were talking. Um, 
mostly about like insurance and the, the risks within the industry. Is that what you're kind of alluding to? to no, no, just to, if, if uh, you know, from your position as a professional, if, if a conver certain conversation caught your, caught your attention or something surprised you or somebody was coming out of left field perhaps or you met somebody really cool while you were there. You uh, trying to pick your brain, your experience? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it, I, yeah, it was just cool. To, I like meeting the new committee members. It's just great to meet other industry experts. Um, and this one's just new for me because I'm surrounded by a lot of people from the insurance aspect of risks within the industry, so I try to add a new flavor. So um, that was great. That was a good, you know, moment. But other than that, it's just sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, everything that, that goes on these conferences. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of people. So um, sometimes, you know, I, I can't always recall. I need a little breaks from here to there to kind of, kind of catch up. But overall, just being here and being part of the overall experience of NCI has been just tremendous. And besides being a heavy advocate for federal decriminalization, what else um, are you um, advocating for in the industry? Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's the main one is what I'm, I'm passionate about is like decriminalization that would take it off the class one substance so that um, 280 would be lifted from it. But um, really what I'm passionate about is you know, with my expertise in the industry and what I observed as, as a professional uh, accountant is, is the need for these businesses to have um, a foundation for their business, internal controls, governance, systems to monitor, to understand and identify the risks and navigate risks successfully. Um, and, and that's really hard to do, but it's almost like, think of it as you're building a building, right? If you all of a sudden jump to framing, and you forgot to pour the concrete and lay the foundation. That's what I've been saying. It doesn't yeah. take very much to shake that structure and the whole thing to come crashing down. And so what I'm trying to do is help um, educate business operators now and help people to um, develop their, their foundation and framework uh, to be a well-managed business um, and so that they can uh, you know, get enticed by investors to grow and expand. Really, that's what it is, and that's what I love with NCIA. And that's one thing. That, another learning moment is, is you know, green collar, white collar. There's the industry operators, and there's a lot of the capital and professionals. Um, the industry's better off the more that those two work together. Mm -hmm. And and that the white collar really uh, listens to the green collar in terms of like the industry and what the industry wants and needs, and help support that through capital and things like that, and giving, giving money and, and also giving infrastructure, things like what I'm doing with the internal controls, hey, we want to help your business really thrive. Here's your pitfalls, here's the obstacles. I like to say we like to um, turn obstacles into opportunities, right? Because this cannabis industry is riddled with obstacles. But if you really look at it, you can turn it into an opportunity. 100%. And what I've been saying, Kevin, is that any jurisdiction across the country that uh, really not adopts cannabis, but embraces cannabis, the industry, it's an injection into the local economy. Absolutely. Ancillary business is gonna blow up, tourism is right around the corner, and so I'm really excited for everything that we're doing. I mean, NCIA happened right here in San Jose. Kaliva is right here in San Jose. Jay-Z signed on, we're working on equity, and this partnership that you're talking about, green collar, white, co white collar, it's like the dream team. I think it was 92 when the boys went overseas and they were Absolutely. hooping it up. Larry Bird and was it Jordan and oh, yeah. Magic Johnson and dude it's the same formula for success now it is. and what I've experienced is that there's a tremendous amount of uh, ego I would say and naturally so because I think a lot of the participants of the industry are coming from maybe a, 
a privileged or, or maybe dominant uh, social class, so I get it. But it's really cool to see the, the human will to survive and to succeed really materialize itself through equity programs. And that's really, I think, been one of the foundations of cannabis culture is the uh, willingness to risk it all, um, risk uh, physical danger, going to prison, uh, you know, put yourself at risk in many different ways. And it's that passion that's going to carry through into the future. And that's what I'm excited about. I'm really pleased with what we've done today in regards of sharing your story, sharing about your, what Akeem does and what you bring to the table. And I think um, everything we talked about was very relevant to what's happening in the industry today. Um, is there anything else that you want to, uh, that you had in mind, Kevin? Because I know we kind of talked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before I just give a little bit of spiel on Akeem, I just want to, I'm grateful for the people who have risked it over the years to build this industry what it is today. I think we owe them tremendous gratitude and we need to uplift and honor them um, because we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the people risking everything. And the capital now can come to the table, but the table's been set because of what has been done for decades, um, kind of in the back. Um, so I'm just happy that it's, it's coming to the light. And again, at Akeem, what, what we really want to do is help build that framework to kind of do our part um, to help operators both um, direct, you know, whether you're retail, uh, manufacturing, cultivation, delivery, vertical, or ancillary services, you all need assistance. And we all need to work together and add value in which ways we can. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately it. Kevin, um, it's been an incredible interview. I think we're right on time with the time limit that we have. I just want to thank you for your support, man. Your words meant a lot to me. I'm really looking forward to see our, ourselves grow in the directions that we're moving. And what we're doing is really cool. Just so you guys know, there's about 100 people behind the camera over here at the back of the Continental Bar. Everybody's having a great time eating tacos, socializing, networking. And we're here, we got our corner cut out. So again, thank you, uh, Kevin Haller. Thank you, Akeem Consulting. California Cannabis, alive and well. Absolutely. Thank you.